This episode is about hate crime, racism, discrimination, protected characteristics, unconscious bias, and how to respond to certain situations as an international student or migrant. Let's dive in. Hello, I am Progress Oberico, a writer, coach, and an international student's ambassador. This is the International Students Podcast. It is a platform for sharing stories and exclusive information for international students across the world, prospective international students, and essentially anyone moving or living abroad. This is to help people tackle challenges and also to share opportunities that they need. You'll be hearing from international students studying in various universities across the world, experts and professionals sharing knowledge on what you need to know when moving abroad, visa application, how to manage your finance, job opportunities, culture shocks, scholarships and various tips and tricks for living abroad. Please do subscribe to this podcast, share this podcast with your friends, follow us on Spotify and on any platform you're currently listening to us and let us know what you think. Have a good listen. Thank you so much. So today we have Ben Robbins. Ben is an international talent acquisition manager with a passion for all things diversity, equity and inclusion. He has previously worked with Stop Hate UK and from his wealth of experience and knowledge, he will be unpacking a lot about hate crime, discrimination, protected characteristics, racism, unconscious bias and how to respond to certain situations as international students and migrants. Um, So thank you very much for joining the show today, Ben. Thank you so much. It's really exciting to have you. No, thank you, Progress. It's uh, good to be here. Awesome. Um, So I'm going to start with the icebreaker question, which is um, what does inclusion mean to you? Yeah, good question. Um, I think for for me, inclusion is, to put it quite obviously, a, a feeling of belonging. Um, but going a, a little bit further than that, I think it's a feeling of, of being wanted in the environment you're in. Um, that you don't have to, you know, change anything about yourself uh, to feel like you are welcomed into any environment. That can be a, a workplace, a classroom, uh, a social gathering, uh, that you can be exactly who you are um, without feeling you know, discriminated against or, or just generally unwelcome. Um, I think the best tagline I've heard for, for what inclusion means is uh, that uh, diversity is being invited to the dance uh, and inclusion is being asked to, to dance. Wow. So I think that's quite quite a nice way of wow. putting it. Yeah, I love that definition. Anytime I hear it, I always like I just feel I think it's phenomenal the definition, like being invited to the dance. It yeah. doesn't stop there, but also being asked to dance. Which oh, for is, sure. I find that very fascinating. Um so the next question is around discrimination. Um are there mm-hmm. any myths before we kind of delve into hate crime and unpack a lot of what it is? Um, I'll be interested to know if there are any myths around discrimination. 
Yeah, I think there's probably a few that, that come to mind. Um, firstly, I think that, that only certain people can discriminate. Um, for me, there are really no rules on, on this. And I think that can sometimes catch people, uh, people by surprise, right? Um, you can be discriminated against by someone of the same gender, age, race as, as you. Um, in the UK, for example, I think historically, people might associate discrimination uh, with, you know, for example, the British National Party, yeah. you know, who, uh, who are predominantly made up of, of, of frankly, you know, middle-aged white men uh, wearing certain, um, wearing certain attire. Mm-hmm. Um, and while that is the kind of more blatantly recognizable discrimination and, and, and that still exists, I think because it's more obvious, uh, other more subtle forms uh, of discrimination from from groups or or from people that you might not expect, they can get overlooked sometimes. So, I think it's really important to know that you know it, discrimination can come from from anywhere and and anyone. Um, the other side of that coin is is also a myth to a certain extent that that only certain people can help fight against discrimination. Um, I think a, a couple of classic examples that you might see again in in the UK specifically, typically from maybe right right wing leaning news outlets, um, are things like you know the black community needs yeah. to do more against black on black crime, yeah. um, or you know the Muslim community need to do more to speak out against terrorism. Uh, you know, I think both of those comments are, are probably quite lazy and ignorant in the, in the phrasing, which is a completely different topic and um, one we can spend a lot of time on. Yeah. But j- just to say that, to point out that the, you know, white British people are very rarely called upon to to help uh, against dis- discrimination in, in the UK, um, which is largely, you know, perpetrated by, by white British people. Um, and we we absolutely can help fight that, you know, in in many ways, you know, in, in spreading knowledge on significant topics, um, in calling people out as and when we see discrimination happen, um, and, and probably most importantly by by shutting shutting up sometimes and and listening to people who, who face discrimination. So, yeah. two sides of that: anyone can discriminate, and and I think anyone can help uh, fight against discrimination. Um, some other myths that, that, that come to mind, maybe, uh, you know, that the discrimination is just an individual act, if that makes sense. You know, uh, of course, it can be individual acts, but I think the large, large majority of the time, uh, discrimination can be kind of symptomatic um, of, of larger systemic discrimination that, that flows down from various institutions or governments or countries. Um, I think that realization can probably be, you know, simultaneously reassuring and heartbreaking um, in the sense that, you know, okay, it's not personal sometimes. It's just, you know, ignorance that is systemic. It's not a personal attack. Um, It's much bigger uh, than, you know, one person saying or doing nefarious things. Um, But that is, yeah, heartbreaking that that it is kind of learned behavior and it's propaganda if we want to take it at its most extreme. Um, Mm. But it's it's rarely just an individual. Yeah, Um, yeah, just on that note, um, 
Because personally, I've always thought that, you know, there is systemic violence or systemic disc- discrimination, as you just said. Yeah. Um, but also, I've always felt that, you know, this systemic discrimination are perpetrated by human beings, by individuals. <coughs> so the system is made up of individuals. So um, can you a bit, can you unpack a bit what, um, what's it called, group-based discrimination is or government discrimination or, you know, what you just said? Yeah. So if we talk about, you know, being involved in in any sort of inst- institution um, or being involved in any sort of group, um, we we start to group think, you know, we, we start to think like a, a pack or like a, a herd. Um, so whether that's, you know, the group that you are part of are a group of people that read a certain newspaper or just a group of people that live in a certain uh, country, so you hear the same generalizations over and over again that leads to um individual acts of discrimination um so it's it's both systemic and individualized in in that sense but mm-hmm. i think there's there's no country in the world or no person in the world that is is not affected by that um like you know earlier i called it propaganda which which is what it is in many forms I think the the difference is what you what you choose to do about it. You know how you choose to question yourself, your own language, your own behaviours, uh, knowing that you are um, to to use quite an extreme term. You know, indoctrinated by many parts of your life and and um, institutions and yeah. and systems that feed into your language and your behaviour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Um, do you have any more myth to share, or is that all? I think that probably the the final one that's that's quite important in my mind is is you know the myth that that discrimination has to culminate in in flagrant aggression or flagrant violence. Um, again, this probably goes back to the first point about that you know the most obvious or extreme types of being of, of being discriminated against. Are usually the most recognised or, or reported on, and they usually include, you know, violence or, or extreme aggression. But actually, I don't, uh, most discrimination probably isn't like that. I think it's a slow, it's slow in its progression, and and it's just unrelenting. Um, I think that one of the most accurate analogies that I've heard of of discrimination is is equating it to stalking. Um, so if you think about stalking as a crime it's very rarely one singular event that makes it a crime. It's a lot more, you know, seemingly minor acts, um, you know, like waiting for someone outside work or liking all of their social media posts or, you know, leaving flowers outside their their house or something like this. Um, Alone, they they might not be, you know, um, the most significant to the outside viewer. But if you're experiencing those slow, progressive chips of, of discrimination, um, that can be seriously wounding in, in other ways that, that pure aggression and violence um, doesn't have. Um, so, of course, it, it can culminate in, in that, but it doesn't have to be that to be discrimination and it shouldn't be taken any, any less seriously just because no one's been, been you know, physically hurt. Um, and I think that's important to to kind of blow that myth apart to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, it's just like um, violence or domestic violence, for example. 
um you know the reason one of the reasons why you know the police may not be able to act upon it um is because maybe some of them are emotional violence and so <coughs> there is no evidence to show that the person hit you or you don't have a scar to show so they wouldn't yeah. necessarily classify it as violence per se absolutely absolutely yeah okay um so the next question would be what is hate crime um so I, I guess in order to talk about hate crime i'll talk about um giving a similar analogy to the to the stalking one that i just gave you know talk about hate incidents right so a, mm -hmm. a hate incident is is anything that um the person affected or, or anyone witnessing this incident um believes to be you know some form of hatred based on a person's identity um so not all hate incidents will will lead to it being a criminal offense um you know there, there could be one-off one-off incidents um that may unfortunately you know fall short of being a criminal act uh, in and of themselves but if they're repeated and if they're continuous they can become crimes um so these incidents can all build up into a hate crime or again a hate crime like beating someone up based on a person's identity or a protected characteristic is a hate crime straight away regardless of, of how many times it happens uh so to use the word hate crime it has to be a criminal offense um but for for other incidents which again isolated wouldn't be criminal offenses we'd, we'd use the word hate incident um but again i think both are equally important to to speak up about because you know if someone is experiencing this kind of discrimination it's really really important uh, that they have a log of it you know that it's reported every time so that the the build-up of that could lead to um to a criminal offense in in a court of law that's the the only difference okay okay great um are there examples of things that do that are hate incidents but do not classify as hate crime mm. Um, so I'd, I'd say, you know, abusive gestures, right? So something like someone swearing at you, um, without explicitly using, um, a protected characteristic or, or something that would reveal that the reason they're being angry is based on a person's identity. Um, these are things, you know, little comments, uh, about, you know, let's say around the workplace about someone's hair or about someone's accent or about someone's food. Okay. Um, you know, we know implicitly that they're probably aimed to, towards a, a prote protected characteristic or something to do with that person's intent, uh, identity, but proving that as an isolated incident is extremely hard, right? right. So it's about a buildup of that. You know, if you can prove 10 times over the last two months, this person has commented in a negative way or sworn at you in a negative way. Uh, and, you know, it's all to do with your identity. Then that could build up to a case of a hate crime. Um, but isolated, unfortunately, that they would be hate incidents. Okay. Right. Um, I think that's interesting. Um, I think that leads us nicely into the next question, which is what are protected characteristics? Mm. Uh, so protected characteristics, at least in the uh, in the UK, um, are 
well, I'll, I'll list them, um, are age, uh, disability, gender reassignment, um, marriage or, or civil partnership, um, pregnancy, race, religion or belief, uh, sex and, and sexual orientation. Um, so all these are protected characteristics, which means if someone is discriminated against based upon any of these characteristics or a mixture of these characteristics, which is also quite common, um, then there can be legal action taken against them. Um, that, you know, whether it's an employer, whether it's a university, whether it's a, an individual in public, those people who are, who are uh, perpetrating that discrimination can have legal action taken against them. Um, so it's quite, you know, black and white in, in the eyes of the, the law. Mm -hmm. um, they are the characteristics which, um, if you are uh, infringing upon them in a discriminatory way, um, you may face criminal charges. Right. Um, I have one example and it's a question, <clears throat> but also could you also share an example of where someone has been discriminated based on their protected characteristics? So here is mine. Um, so, for example, a woman who is pregnant and goes for an interview and probably doesn't get the job because, you know, the employer knows that when she puts to bed, she is going for maternity leave and, you know, they wouldn't want to have that gap in their, you know, their job or something. So <coughs> if the woman doesn't get the job based on that, based on her pregnancy or based on the fact that she's a woman, because, I mean, so, you know, some jobs actually don't take women because they feel like oh they're going to get pregnant they're going to you know, need some time off and stuff like that so would this be called or be classified as discrimination 100 percent, 100 percent. um and and pregnancy is quite an interesting one because you just said it um you might not even be pregnant to be discriminated against yeah for the possibility in the future that you might become pregnant. So that's mixing, like I said before, you know, often these are overlapping with each other, some of these protected characteristics. You're uh, basically discriminating against someone initially because of their sex, but also secondarily um, because of their potential or hypothetical uh, pregnancy. Uh, so that would 100% be, uh, be discrimination, yes. Um, Okay. And yeah, yeah, you know, you you asked for some uh, some some examples from yes, from my side. Yes, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, having spent ten or eleven years in recruitment, um, I think at some point I've probably seen discrimination based on every single one of these protected characteristics. Can you um, share them, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. I, I was, you know, once uh, working for a company in in France. I won't say the the name. Yeah. Um, working for a company in France and, and the interviewer openly asked the question, you know, which religion, you know, what religion is the candidate? Um, and uh, the candidate naturally kind of hesitated to, to answer. Uh, the, the interviewer wrote that down, uh, wrote the answer down uh, when they eventually gave it. And unfortunately, so many of these things are extremely hard to prove, right? That, that, um, the decision was based purely uh, against a, a protected characteristic. Yeah. But I, I know for a fact that they were not given a job because of their religion. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've definitely seen a lot of age discrimination on, on both ends of the spectrum. 
Um, you know, I think it's more common, perhaps, and especially as we're talking about students, right, that, yeah. that a lot of young people uh, get discriminated against because they don't have enough uh, quote-unquote experience. Yeah. That usually means they're just too young to get the job and they don't actually care how many years of experience. You know, the employer doesn't actually care about the years of experience. But I've also definitely seen it the other way around, you know, where... I don't know, there's a young startup, a cool tech company, however we want to, to put it, uh, and they purposely don't hire people over a certain age. Yeah. Um, again, usually that is implicit rather than explicit. So they will never say this, but every time you know a 50-year-old puts their CV forward, whether they have the right skills or not, they won't get the job. Um so I've seen, you know, all of these happen in, in real life. Um, I'm sure they happen in almost every company around the world. It's very hard to, to prove, unfortunately. Um, but I'm yeah convinced that almost every company has this happen at some point. Right. That's um, really interesting. I think now that you've mentioned six characteristics or bases on which people could be discriminated, mm-hmm. um, what are the right way? Is there a right way to respond to such discrimination? If you, for example, notice or observe that you are being discriminated based on this, is there a right way to do? What's the first step to take? Yeah, I think um, so. I'll, I'll use you know my experience as a as a recruiter, perhaps first and foremost. Um, if you feel like that's happening in a in a job interview or anything work related. Um, under GDPR guidelines, which is um, under EU law, um, you can request any notes from that company um, related to your interview process. So any notes that have been made um, under GDPR regulation, you are allowed to ask the company for that and they must give you those notes. Um, there is a process to follow and it's not as simple as a, you know, the sending of a few emails, um, but you can, you can retrieve those notes. So in a workplace uh, or, a, or an interview related scenario, I'd suggest doing that. Uh, if that discrimination is, you know, in public or in uh, a, a classroom, you know, if we're talking about international students, yeah. um, I would really suggest, um, you know, going to some sort of student liaison first and foremost you know tell them what's happened again it's all about making sure there is a log somewhere of that incident so tell them what what's happened ask them if there is a process in place to deal with with some sort of discrimination based on uh, protected characteristics uh, if there isn't a process or if it's clear that that maybe nothing will happen based off of your complaint um I think I would go to the the police, um, and again, people are very reluctant to uh, to do that. Yeah. Sometimes because they think, well, okay, well, I haven't been the victim of any violence. Uh, will they just laugh it off? Uh, you know, and especially if you're an international student new in a country. Yeah. Uh, it can often feel like you know you don't have the right to do that. You yeah. don't you know um, you don't know all the contextual information about the culture of, of the UK, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's whether you have the right or not. Uh, I think report it to as many people as you can, as many authority figures as you can, um, as well as friends, right? As well as friends and family, so that you, I suppose, first and foremost, don't feel alone in in that feeling. 
because there can be a real uh, paranoia that creeps in that, that uh, you know, maybe you're imagining it. Maybe you're being too thin-skinned, something like this. Yeah. Uh, but that's not valid paranoia. You know, you need to uh, to know that those feelings are valid. Valid. If you feel like you're being discriminated against, then you are being discriminated against. Um, and you need to report that to as, as many people as, as loudly as possible, to be honest. Right. Um, now that you've said that, I think <clears throat> I would like to also share my experience as well. Yeah. So this happened in 2022, last year, summer. Um, <clears throat> I I went to this shop somewhere um, in London, um, a massive mall. And one of the shops I entered was TK Maxx. And I was basically just looking for my size in, in um, I think, shoes or something. And I didn't find it. So as I was about leaving the shop, I can laugh about it now, but before, I mean, during, when this happened, I, it wasn't a matter of laughter. Like it was just a horrendous experience. So I was about exiting the shop. And as I was, as I was approaching the exit, I saw the security guy walk towards the exit and he stood there. And in front of me were, were two white ladies. They had a baby buggy in front of them and they were also exiting the same time as I was and yeah. they were leaving and then I heard the 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 guy the security guy he was receiving um an instruction over his walkie-talkie you know those phones that they always have on them <coughs> so he was receiving instruction and instruction was keep an eye on the black female approaching like bef- wow. I mean before then I have had like you know experiences of racism where you get followed in shops and stuff like that but yeah. this one was so in my face like i couldn't hold it so i saw the way he then after he heard that he then you know kept kept his gaze on me and i walked past the exit and he kept following me with his eyes as i walked past i knew he would still be standing there staring at me but i didn't but i just shook my head in disappointment and i just left yeah i i got to the bus station but i just couldn't carry on with my journey i was so broken i was so you know I was so I felt really bad. I was so annoyed. Like, why? Uh, what, what have I done? Like, I wasn't roughly dressed to say, okay, maybe she was looking really rough. That's why you can suspect her or something. I didn't have a gun on me or anything that showed that I was harmful or something, you yeah. know. So I just I left and I couldn't get the bus. I had to go back to the shop, and then I met the guy, the security guy. I approached him and I said. I overheard you being told to keep an eye on me, and bec- I knew it was me mm. because I was the only black female in the shop, yeah. and I was yeah, yeah. I was just right at the exit, so he was told to keep an eye on me approaching him. So it couldn't have been uh, someone else, and I wasn't crazy, so I wanted to, to you know, just make him be aware that I know this and this is wrong. <clears throat> and when I went to him, he kept saying, um, it wasn't me that oh, it was also just doing his job stuff. Like I said, if you're doing your job, do your job with inclusiveness don't keep an eye on certain people if yeah. you're you know being employed to be the security of a particular shop you have to watch everybody I understand that mm. everybody mm. anybody can steal anybody can do anything wrong so it's not about a particular person so why are you keeping an eye on me why are you being asked to do that and you know he kept defending himself I got really emotional I just mm. I just left and then when I left I went to like type a complaint to 
you know, TK Maxx headquarters. I made a tweet about it. I yeah. left a review about the shop. Like, I was so pained. Yeah. And as you said, it leaves you with a lot of paranoia. It does two things <clears throat> to you. One, it makes you angry. And the other one, it makes you feel like you're losing your self-esteem, like you're not worth it. And then you begin to lose your self-confidence and all of that. It affects you mentally as well. So sure. um, I'm, I'm glad that I actually went back to confront the situation, even yeah. if it was in the calmest manner that I could. I know I was mm. emotional at the point, but I, I'm glad that I did because if I had gone home without confronting it, I would have felt bad and, you know, you know, felt like, why am I being treated this way? And, you know, that victim mentality and all of that would just, mm. and you just engulf me. So um, I did ensure that I left the complaint and I got a call from their headquarters. You know, they were also denying okay. it left, right and center saying... <laughs> It was from another shop and they were making me feel like I was crazy as well. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, no, I know what I'm saying. But then, I mean, this is past, but I just wanted to share this experience to say, you know, these are things that happen. And, and for international mm. students as well, you're going to experience this, unfortunately. But, you know, if, can you like add more? Sh I know you've talked about this already, but like, are there more ways that especially students who are new in the country can go about this? Yeah. Yeah. No, first of all, thanks so much for for sharing, and I'm I'm really, really sorry and, and sad that that uh, that you went through that experience progress because that sounds um, it sounds like you know it, it conjures up such a range of emotions. Most of them are not positive, yeah. positive emotions, right? Um, and the the denial and the defensiveness from the company and the individual involved is is completely classic and infuriating. Um, so no, thank you for for sharing. Um, in terms of yeah, how to react, I think I think you did the right thing, right? Um, sometimes it's not always um, safe or or appropriate to to physically confront the person and and you know call them out mm -hmm. to their face. Um, in this situation, it sounds like it was, and it, it sounds like you didn't have um, concerns for your safety to do that, but if appropriate and if you know there's no concerns for safety i think that's the first port of call for students right if they either see someone else being discriminated against or they uh, themselves are are being discriminated against i think that's the first thing to do if you're not concerned for your your safety and you don't think there's any legitimate fear of that call that person out um because they will very quickly shrink yeah. usually um yeah if they are called out, because they usually don't expect to to be called out. Um, and then I think it's just about the other avenues that are available to you. So, you know, if, if you are discriminated against as a, as a student, um, it's firstly about, you know, making sure something happens. So whatever you get, whether you get a, a kind of lazy response from the, the company or whether you get a... Um, you know, a, a, a tweet back from them, if you put it on social media, mm -hmm. get something out of that. Um, and again, this is a slow progress thing, right? I don't expect that company or that individual to change overnight. Yeah. But if that happens enough times, you know, they might start to, to take notice. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think the, the action you took really importantly is, is yeah, may, maybe primarily for yourself because you felt like you needed to get something out of that very frustrating situation. But secondly, for the future, you know, people experiencing discrimination from the same company, institution, 
people uh, that they may not you know have exactly the same experience than you they may yeah. they may have a better experience thanks to what you've done yeah. and that's always the way to think about it i think um and i think well, i was about to say educate people right but this this is this is a tough one i think there yeah, are i know there are two schools of thought on this and i'm i'm quite conflicted maybe maybe you are too like to to a large extent it's not if you're getting discriminated against it's not your job to to educate other people um yeah. and if it was your job it would be an extremely exhausting and never ending exercise True. um so that it's not someone's job to to educate ignorant people however i think the two things that push back against this this uh, way of thinking uh are firstly what i've just said you know that um it it does perhaps educate them for for future experiences so that they might not treat someone else um in your situation exactly the same way um and secondly i think in particular if we're talking about international students then there may be someone you know um in the situation where they've never met someone from a certain origin or background before yeah so they are genuinely ignorant in in the most you know innocent way possible um so giving them the tools to learn is sometimes important you know if if we're talking about a class of of 100 people and 50 of them are international students there's a high chance that some of those students won't have met people from other respective nations before and other respective backgrounds so that they're coming from a point of you know innocent ignorance um so having those open conversations and saying oh, okay well this is what happens in my country this is the culture here can be valuable um it's hard yeah. i think it's it's hard it is it is hard um i think on the point of what you said about calling them out i think <clears throat> it is really important as well because just also piggybacking on what you also said about making sure you are logging down your experience so that it can possibly build up to a criminal offense especially if, <clears throat> especially if you don't if you cannot hold one you know one experience as a crime and mm. so what i was thinking when i went back is you know if i mean when i reported the situation was if someone else like me experiences the same thing and they report it the head of the organization would know that you know this is a repeated thing and they would yeah. then be able to fix it even though my one experience cannot fix it at the, that point in time a repeated complaint from other people would fix it eventually. So I think it's really important to like, you know, don't just quiet or like feel alone or shut yeah. your mouth or just, you know, feel like you are too soft or whatever by calling them out. It's always important, even though for your sake, for the sake of other people like you as well. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah, and there are times as well, I just wanted to, to add this for like students, there are times where you wouldn't even know what to do. Like in my situation, I had to, I'd actually gone, I left the shop and then came back before I knew what to do or before I felt the urge to do something. So there are times where you wouldn't really know what to do. Um, yeah. so a second experience I had was, you know, in a shop, a perfume shop, and I was shopping and someone was just recording me. I turned back and I saw them on their phone. They were recording me. So I didn't know what to do. I just like walked past and I realized that when I passed, they dropped their phone. And <clears throat> yeah, I just literally had to leave the shop because I didn't really know what oh. to do. I couldn't really go to them and say, oh, are you recording me? I wasn't sure the right thing <clears throat> to do. 
Um, but yeah, it takes sometimes you need to have a lot. Of, I, I, I'm not saying you're going to. Ha- you should have all these experiences because they are mean, they are unfair. But there are times where you just become so dumbfounded and you don't know what to do in certain situations. But um, thankfully, yeah. we are having this conversation to enlighten you know listeners to know what to do to you know have the courage to um confront situations where where it is needed especially when you feel like you are safe to do so as ben <coughs> said so um yeah um the next question would be i don't know if you've touched this before but yeah um i think it's about 10 things international students need to know about discrimination before they arrive to uk <coughs> Yeah, um, I don't know if I've got 10, but I'll try and, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't I'll try and go 10. through the points I have. I was going to um, say, it doesn't have to be 10. <laughs> um, so what to know about discrimination before you arrive in the UK? Yeah. I think the first and most obvious one, or maybe not that obvious, is 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 that it exists, right? Um, like I, I said to you in our conversation previously, you know, I've lived in a, a few different countries and... I still think the UK is maybe put on a pedestal or held, you know, with extremely high regard mm-hmm. for for a number of uh, a number of positive qualities which it, it does have. But I think that the fact that you know racism and discrimination of all kinds still exists in the UK can can be genuinely surprising for for people who haven't lived here before. Mm-hmm. Um, so international students, I think, need to unfortunately you know face the very real prospect as you have been right that they may get discriminated against um if they live in the uk for a for a certain period of time um i think that's the first thing they need to know just to to actually prepare yourself for the fact that it is it is in the uk and and it's you know not all um uh, some perfect society it has its positive points but in this regard in regard to discrimination it's it's absolutely not perfect um second thing i think uh, that, that is good to do before uh you you arrive here is uh is to find groups of of international students or other internationals in general that they don't even have to be students um so that if you are ever discriminated against you know it it doesn't feel like you're alone you know we talked about that feeling of of paranoia um earlier in the conversation if you have other people who have you know had similar experiences that can really make you um have a sense of of validation and and vindication in what you're feeling um so whether that's you know finding online, I don't know the Facebook groups, groups on uh, pages on Instagram of again students or, or other internationals in the in the city you're arriving to, um, that can really help with with sharing experiences and and having a bit of a, a network in that city before you get there. Um, I think a, a couple of other things that I'd maybe um, share into one point, but a. a distinct in some ways is is you know where to get a job and and where to live um unfortunately you know with with getting a job as a student you know if you want part-time work or something like this discrimination is is pretty likely in the uk um so i worked in in bars uh, bars and restaurants when i was at university 
and and I witnessed firsthand, you know, applications get dismissed purely on the basis of, of one or two protected characteristics. Um, again, although I couldn't prove it, and it, these things are very hard to prove, um, I knew that was happening. So, you know, any students, I think, needing or, or wanting part-time work while they're at university really need to do as much research as possible and, and quiz their future employers on what they're on what they're doing for diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Um, and if the answer is nothing, or if it, they look, you know, pretty blankly, and, and it's not even on their radar, I think that already answers your question that maybe it's not the place to work for you. Um, so that's super important. And, and I think something that is maybe, again, going back to this feeling of, of feeling like you don't have the right to, because you need a job, right? And you are a student, so you don't have loads of experience to bank on and, and leverage when you're applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, that can get very much um, exploited by employers. So make sure that you do feel like your voice is important, like you 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 know don't have to put up or accept discrimination if you're in a part-time job as a student. Um, as a side note, it's not strictly related, but it's important also to know that uh, non-EU students, I think, can only work up to 20 hours in the UK. Yeah. Um, so some employers might either not know that or try to exploit that. Um, so again, that's just something worth knowing when it comes to employment. Um, but the second thing I said that is very related to this is where to live. Again, discrimination is super likely here. You know, maybe not when you're in... Um, university halls in terms of actually getting a place but if you're getting a place you know in your second or third year of university uh, it's usually it can be with with friends in a in a public you know real estate agents yeah um again personally when i was choosing a house for my second year of university we were three white guys and and our friend who is of mixed heritage so his, his dad is Ghanaian. um and the real estate agent referred to, to my friend or gestured to my friend as colonial, wow. um, which I don't, it's not even the right word for what he means, but either way, it's really offensive. And we didn't know how to take it or how to react. Uh, it was such an odd comment. Um, in hindsight, I wished we had have called it out. But again, we were students who really needed a place to live. So we just kind of brushed it under the rug. Um, so that happens. It, it absolutely happens, discrimination in terms of where to live. Uh, it's hard to know what to do about that, uh, but I think researching more uh, diverse places in the city, you know, places where a lot of international students do live already, and this is where your previous networking can, can come in handy. Uh, I think they're two good places to start. Um, Again, going back to what we can do, you know, when we arrive in the UK, calling it out, you know, calling out discrimination, feeling like you have the right to, as an international, as a student, as a probably a young person, you know, you have the right to, to call out discrimination. You have that right in the UK. It's not a country where that right should ever be oppressed. Um, so, you know, it might be easy to feel like you're not as important or you don't have the, the place to speak up or cause, you know, a perceived nuisance, um, but you absolutely do. And, and it's necessary that you do for, 
for both yourself and for other people. Yeah. Um, and I think the last thing is, is we touched on it before, but where to get help if you need it. So before you arrive in the UK, make sure you know, you know, the student liaison at your university, make sure you know the local police number, make sure that you know, you know, any charities, there are so many charities doing really good work uh, in the anti-discrimination area. Make sure you have their hotlines and, and general advice centers, you know, their well, three or four numbers of, of really important um, outlets uh, if you ever experience discrimination. So before arriving in the UK, you can you can prepare yourself for that possibility in the hope that it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, you know, you know, instantly the right places and the right people to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's very interesting. Can I also add um, Stop Hate UK? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so I've done some some work previously with uh, with Stop Hate UK. They're a really really good charity that are helping exactly in this area uh, for anti discrimination and, and particularly for hate incidents and hate crime. Um, so they're probably a first port of call for anyone in a major city. Yeah. Yes. So if you're an, an international student, you can just Google Stop Hate UK. Um, they're always happy to take your complaint. They will log it on. They could even follow up for you and get in touch with wherever you are experiencing that discrimination from. I have also had experience with them before, and I think I, I found them very helpful as well. That's um, great. Yeah. I think we have touched on a lot of things rapidly. Are there any do's and don'ts in terms of protected characteristics that students need to be aware of? <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, for a lot of this conversation, we've we've spoken from the point of view of someone that is being discriminated against. But I think it's also important to as, as an international student to to understand that if you could be discriminating against someone else. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so, you know, trying to use neutral language as in whether that's, you know, gender specific, uh, nationality specific or age specific. You know, try and remain as, as neutral as possible. Um, and I think what this does is is kind of minimize the chance that you are discriminating uh, discriminating against someone. Okay. Um, I think it's also, you know, uh, an important do is in every situation, but particularly as an international student, you know, do ask yourself the question, could someone feel that what I'm saying or doing is discriminatory? Um if the answer in your mind is yes, you know, don't do or say it or apologize for having done or having said it in the past. Um, and that in itself is a, is a learning curve, right? Yeah. You know, w what is perfectly acceptable in one country mm -hmm. may be deemed uh, socially unacceptable in another. Yeah. Um, so tr try to be guided and, and learn from the people around you, the ones that you, you know and trust and and maybe have experience in, in this area, in the country that you're in. Um, yeah. I'll give you an example. You know, I have a few uh, South African friends uh, here in, in Sweden. Um, and in South Africa, it's, it's, it's absolutely acceptable to use the word coloured um, as yeah. part of their diction. Yes. Uh, in the UK and, and a number of, of English-speaking countries, that that would not be acceptable at all. And and you know, if aimed to, towards someone uh, of of black or, or mis, a mixed race uh, ethnicity, that would be really offensive. Um, 
But I think that comes in two ways, right? It's about understanding why that person from South Africa has said that, uh, maybe talking to them and saying, you know, okay, I know why you've said that. Not everybody would know why you've said that. So maybe don't say that as much as you would in the UK as you would in South Africa, right? Um, and I think that follows on to another another do. Um, you know, do try and be understanding of other people. Um, like I said previously, you know, we, we're focusing on a kind of UK outlook here, but for a lot of international students, it, it may be their very first time outside of their home country. Yeah. Um, so they're not only acclimatizing to the UK and British people, they're also acclimatizing to an environment full of people from backgrounds they've never encountered before. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, going back to the question of educating other people, it's not your job, but I think you know, having patience and, and being prepared to, to talk really openly about your own culture um, can can really help. I think the UK, like the US, can be very, very Anglo-centric places at times. Yeah. Um, and here I'm not necessarily talking about outright racism and discrimination, but that the world beyond the UK or the US doesn't exist <laughs> To, to the extent that it does in the UK. Um, so educating people around you, again, isn't your job, but it does help kind of build bridges and find common ground and and let people know about your culture. Um, again, you might find out that, that some people are discriminatory towards that and you have no obligation to continue talking about your culture if you think it's going to be received uh, badly. But I think, you know, having those conversations in the first place uh, is, a, is a good way to to build bridges. Yeah. I was going to say, so I read about um, a guy who was sacked from his job in the UK because <laughs> the reason is funny. So because he went to ask one of his, co- one of his colleagues, so his female colleague, um, whether she was breastfeeding or something. Um, okay. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't mean it in like a discriminatory way or you know in a wrong way you know like i guess like back in nigeria and in some other countries people are allowed to ask oh you know are you married yet or when are you getting married or you know (coughs) are you breastfeeding or you know stuff like that so he genuinely asked that question yeah um and the lady took it in another way and he went she went to report to the hro and that's how the the guy got sacked so in terms of learning about the culture of the place you are moving to in this case the uk the us or wherever you're studying as an international student you need to be aware of certain terms what is acceptable as you said ben about the country what you should say and what you shouldn't say questions that you should ask and also jokes that you could make you should or should not make to people as well so because like jokes could you know be offensive to certain people but they are just jokes to you so yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's a really good case in, in point, right? Where in, in the person's culture, I don't know where he was from, the, the guy who got sacked, you know, that might have been a perfectly acceptable question. Um, but it, it wouldn't be in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, I think it comes back to relevance, right? You know, I, I talked before about asking the question, could this be discriminatory? Um, a second, probably filter question uh, to ask is: Is this relevant? You know, wh- what is he trying to find out by asking that person if they're breastfeeding? 
Yeah. Uh, it's probably nothing to do with work, let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's, it's, some people might see that as extreme. I, I think it's, it's tough. It's, it, it's tough, but, you know, uh, for the guy who got sacked, he, he might think it was all entirely innocent, yeah. but it wasn't relevant and it's easy to make a case that it was discriminatory. So that is the law. Um, so I think from both sides, right, finding, finding out what you can and can't do and what is and isn't acceptable towards you you know, finding out how not to be discriminatory and, and how to recognize if you're being discriminated against uh, is, is super important for internationals. Yes. Um, also, I'm just going to add this last one. Sure. Um, so if you're going to the club or you're going to dance, you should always be aware of consent. So mm. you don't just, you know, have the right to dance with any lady or I mean, if you're a guy or like anybody or just approach anybody or stuff like that, you have there, there needs to be consent, even when the person is drunk or, mm. you know, has some level of unconsciousness of what they are doing. I've seen a case of a guy who well, uh, the lady slept over at his place and she woke up and she was like, you know, what am I doing here? And, she, and for him, he was trying to actually help the lady who was drunk. Uh, but yeah, so there are things that is tricky. One has to be aware again about, you know, things that are acceptable and what you can or cannot do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, it's, you know, ask yourself the question, is there a world in which someone could you know perceive that they haven't given me the consent to do this yeah and if the answer is yes then then don't do it or don't say it absolutely yes i wanted to ask um is there a difference between racism and unconscious bias yeah an unconscious bias is a really um tough term because it can cover you know, really innocent, instantaneous thoughts in someone's head um, to, to more, you know, n negative and blatant forms of, of, of racism and, and uh, other forms of discrimination. Mm -hmm. um, but unconscious bias is, is uh, manifests itself in so many ways. You know, you mentioned the jokes you tell, um, the references you make, you know, to UK TV and UK pop songs. Yeah. Could, could be excluding somebody else without you knowing it. So that's the unconscious part, right? Who you invite to lunch, who you sit next to in a classroom. All of that is, is unconscious bias. And, and what unconscious bias essentially is, is a shortcut. So our brain, or the human brain, is, is processing millions of bits of information per second. Mm -hmm. And it has to prioritize on which parts it focuses on and which part it just does instantly. Uh, I think the, the the bits which you can focus on, uh, I'm, I'm sure some scientists will call me up about this, but the bits <laughs> which you can focus on is is around 40 pieces of those millions of information, uh, bits of information, we can actually focus on around 40. So the rest of those things we're just doing automatically without even thinking. Um, so I'll, I'll use, again, unconscious bias to talk about my job as a, as a recruiter. Um, we have, you know, hundreds of CVs to look through each week, right, as a, as a recruiter or, yeah. or talent acquisition. Uh, and we have to do it relatively quickly. So if we talk about students applying for a job, you know, a really uh, common shortcut that, that some recruiters make is, 
okay, they graduated in X year, and that means they only have X years of experience. When, in actual fact, that person could have done lots of internships or had full-time jobs prior to graduating from university or in parallel to university. But they're overlooked for a position um, because of the, the lazy shortcut and the lazy thinking um, that they don't have the, the right number of years of experience. Um, cultural discrimination is also extremely common in the workplace. You know, this person is from this country, so they must have this quality, whether that's a good or a bad quality. Yeah. Uh, that is unconscious bias at work. It's, it's shortcutting and it's lazy. I think the thing is with unconscious bias, it's human, right? It's we are built to to make shortcuts, to make life easier for ourselves, to think based on our past experiences. That's all unconscious bias is. So having those thoughts is not a bad thing. You are not a racist or a sexist or an ageist because you, you know, instantly click towards those thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's what you do about having those thoughts that that makes that that separates someone who is then, you know, a racist, sexist, ageist, etc. between them and someone who can be a force for good. Um, so checking your unconscious bias, being aware of them first and foremost, and then checking them, you know, with yourself and with other people. Like, am I making this decision based on one of the protected characteristics uh, we spoke about before? Or am I making this decision? Am I behaving this way? Am I using this language? because it's normal, relevant, and appropriate to do so. 100%. I think um, um, to to also add to what you said, um, so having unconscious bias is one thing, but mm. making, making conscious efforts to undo or unlearn that unconscious bias is what matters. Yes. Essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's a never-ending uh, work, right? Yeah. Um, not only because it takes constant effort and con- like you said, conscious effort, yeah. but it's also because what is acceptable and unacceptable in, in society's changes. Yes. Um, you know, 50 years ago in the UK, people were having very different conversations about gender discrimination, for example, yeah. Yeah. as they are today, about race discrimination as they are today. So that has to be constant learning. You can't just say, okay, well, you know, I don't act on my unconscious bias, so I'm good. You, you constantly have to be pushing yourself and checking yourself. Awesome. Um, yes, I think that's the last question from me. I wonder if you have okay. any summarizing thoughts or any question you wanted to answer, which I didn't ask, or anything you just wanted to wrap up with. Yeah, I, th- I think just reiterating some of the points we've, we've already talked about progress, you know, to, to international students, you know, your, your feelings and your experiences are just as valid as, as someone who is, you know, native to, to the UK or to any other country you're living in. Um, so that means that because they're valid, you know, do call them out, do report it if it happens, do seek help through any avenue that, that you can find it. Um, and yeah, just be as vocal and as, as present uh, in, in fighting discrimination as you can be as an international because i think you have some of the most you know powerful and and relevant experiences to to fight against discrimination as as anyone um 
you've 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 kind of epitomized that yourself in some of the things that you've shared progress yeah. um that, that i can't relate to right because because i'm a white british man so it's not that i can't or we can't as white british men experience those kind of things ever but it's a hell of a lot less likely to happen um so you, you've you've proved that right that that you have a really powerful voice and you you can use it so yeah i think that would be a message a final message or a final summary to to any uh, any of the listeners absolutely absolutely love that um thank you so much for wrapping no, up with you. such brilliant points and you were really generous sharing all these ideas all this knowledge which i think would be really beneficial to international students or anyone moving into the uk or even currently living in the uk yeah. um would be really helpful for them so Thank you very much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Me too. Thank you very much, Progress. Yeah, awesome. Oh, one last question. Where can people find you? Sure. So I, I'm Ben Robbins uh, on LinkedIn. It's probably my social media of choice because of my job. I yeah. spend about 90% of my time on, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, I think I'm the only Ben Robbins based in Stockholm. So if you do a search, you'll uh, you'll be able to find me, uh, and I am more than happy to connect on anything diversity, equity, and inclusion related, as well as any kind of career advice, LinkedIn advice, CV advice. Um, I've got huge passions for for all of those things. So feel free to connect with me. Awesome, great. Thank you so much for listening. Um, please share your thoughts if you have any comments. Send us an email with your questions. Our email is tisp.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at tispodcast on Instagram, the International Students Podcast on Facebook. And you can find me, the host, at Progress Oberico on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. On Twitter, I am Oberico underscore pro. And of course, I've joined the TikTok gang. So my TikTok name is ProgressOberico99. You can hit me up with your messages. If you have any questions or a topic you want us to discuss on, please send me an email, send me a comment. And also, please leave us a review. Rate this podcast. Leave us a review, a nice review. Thank you very much.